Hello and welcome back to the future of figure skating. I'm Anna Keller and today I'm joined by Kira Corpy for a conversation about positive coaching and mental health in figure skating. Kira Corpy is a two-time Olympian, a three-time European medalist, and a five-time Finnish champion. She is the author of a memoir, Kira Corpy, Surviving the Ruthless World of Championship Figure Skating, which was published last year in English translation. Kira currently works as a coach and a figure skating commentator for Finnish TV. Hey, Kira, welcome to the podcast, and thanks so much for coming on. We got to meet briefly in Europeans. Uh, how was your experience there? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I really, really enjoyed the Europeans, especially because they were in my home country, Finland, and I got to see so many amazing performances. And I have to say that the Finnish skaters were really good. We only had three, I mean, four skaters, one dance team and then um, a girl and a boy, but everybody skated so well. So it was nice to be a commentator for the TV and just kind of cheer for the Finnish skaters and others too, of course. I think I saw you in the media booth after the Finnish dance team were done and everyone was, I saw you waving the flags and the whole audience was so excited. It was a really nice feeling in the building at that moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was Ah, one of the highlights for sure. And I know Julia and Matthias, they have worked so hard. And I have been with Julia actually at the Europeans when she was still a single skater. So both of them, uh, Julia Turkil and Matthias Versulois, they were amazing single skaters. And now to see them be on the podium of ice dance, it's just uh, incredible. Yeah, they were saying that both starting from singles at the same time, that seems such an amazing thing that you could switch at that point in your career and get to this level. It's really inspiring. And I also really enjoyed talking to Walter Virtanen after his game. This was by far the best placement he'd ever had at Europeans. And he's 35 and he's still in so many ways is getting better. That's also really lovely to see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I told Walter that you can't stop now. Like we want to see you compete at least until you're 40. Like how amazing would it be to skate at the Europeans when you're 40? <laughs> so I think I think he will continue. I, I hope so. And then we had the 15-year-old, uh, the complete opposite from Walter, the 15-year-old Janna Jurkinen. So yeah, it was nice to see them all. Yeah, they all did really well. It was a, it was a good Europeans for Finland overall. And it was nice to have that good energy from the home crowd and all of, all of the volunteers and everybody that I talked to there were, were really happy about it. And it was a really nicely done event as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was happy to see that more and more audience came. And then on, was it on Saturday? I think it was completely full and maybe also on Sundays. So that's a good boost for Finnish figure skating. And yeah, there were some surprising elements too, like the Swiss skaters winning also two medals I wasn't expecting that but but yeah I mean it's nice to see although in some way of course people might miss the Russian skaters for their you know amazing programs and abilities but this offers new skaters coming up to the podium and it makes it more <laughs> more equal the level in a way 
Yeah, I felt that as well. And I think especially watching the pairs and talking to so many of the Italian pairs, the Germans as well, that sense that they see this as this opportunity to grow their own confidence. And you've come in so differently when you think you're competing for a medal than when you think you're, you know, maybe you're going to be fourth or fifth. And so that even if eventually maybe there will be Russian teams back or it will change again, that they were feeling like they won't be the same even if they were to come in with more competitive skaters that this experience would have like lifted them up to feel so much more competitive and so much more confidence in themselves and that was a really nice thing to see them sort of owning how good they are yeah yeah I wish everybody would get a medal I'm just always in awe when I see skaters competing I feel like it was a lifetime ago when I was there and now I'm like I could never do that again it's so scary but it's uh yeah i really admire all the skaters no matter their end result so tell me a little bit about what your life is like these days other than doing the commentary for tv what have you been spending your time with lately hmm. well i recently got a dog so i'm a dog mama <laughs> That's a very nice thing in my life now. And uh, I'm coaching a little bit, not full time, but I do private lessons for different skaters in Finland. And then I have these kind of training camps. And then I'm writing a book that's coming out uh, in March in Finland. It's a poetry book. <laughs> so I really surprised myself there too. So so yeah, and then I'm doing some speaking engagements and other writing things. So I'm a freelancer, uh, entrepreneur, doing a little bit this and that. I enjoy that kind of a freedom. And then I'm also skating myself a little bit more this year. Last year, I didn't skate that much uh, for myself, but now I'm like, oh, I want to get back into a better shape and who knows, maybe perform somewhere again. Oh, that would be wonderful. You feel that motivation to get back onto the ice and to do more of that? Yeah, yeah, it was strange. Like last year, I was already like ready to say goodbye and like my performance days are over and I'm like, I'm good and I will like focus on other things. Then I surprised myself that I really started to miss performing. I saw this wonderful skating show called Snow Queen in Finland. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Like I want to be there performing to the audience and uh, the same kind of thrill I get when I do a speaking gig. But I think still skating is obviously <laughs> more natural to me than speaking. So yeah, I'm like training a little bit more and but not like putting pressure. So if it happens, it happens. But if not, I, I have built other things in my life that I can be really proud of, actually. That's great. So I saw that you have an upcoming project, Cura Corpi Academy. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Yeah, uh, well, I started actually this academy already like a year ago. And that's just basically me <laughs> doing coaching. So it's not like a big fancy academy, at least not right now. Uh, but I think during this year, I, I just checked. I have coached almost 40 different skaters like either they do private lessons with me or then uh, I have these like training days or training camps and those I'm planning to do more in the future and I'm also going to Switzerland to do a seminar with my 
academy so myself <laughs> and i'm i'm excited about that and i really like the focus of my coaching is really the mental side of athletes although i'm really mainly doing it on ice I do some uh, mental coaching off ice too, but mainly on ice. And it's basically just figure skating training. But what I try to always highlight are the the strengths of each skater. And uh, I really try to like, I don't know the word in English, but kind of marinate the skaters with the praise and Thanks. And because I know the skating world can be so, especially the competitive world can be so tough and you must focus on the mistakes and making everything perfect. So I'm trying to be like a balancing effect (laughs) to that. So I talk and teach a lot about, you know, self-compassion and how that can be much more helpful if the skater has had a bad practice or bad competition. It's much better to practice being self-compassionate than to just punish yourself with criticism or or stuff like that. And yeah, I'm I'm so so happy that I get to share my knowledge and enjoy being on the ice with children mainly children and young people uh, but also some adult skaters but before this podcast you were talking about your adult skating career and I really must say that I miss teaching adult skaters because I used to do that more when I lived in New York so I have to get more into that now in Finland too. I know that there certainly are some in Finland because one of the people that I met and spent some time with at Europeans who was volunteering there is a member of an adult synchro team that's very competitive. And I was learning a little bit about that. And it's so cool to see that someone was committed to their skating in that way as an adult and that could do it in a team is really cool. There's some of that in the US, but I think not as much around where I am in any case. Well, Finland really is a synchronized skating country. So as you talk about the positive coaching, does that come from your own experiences as a skater? And I believe you also have studied some psychology, right? Yeah, both. Yeah, I guess I was like a typical skater uh, at my time. And those coaches were typical for their time. So they were using more, um, not always, but sometimes these like more fear-based coaching methods. And then when I finished my competitive career I really had to work on my (laughs) mental health and myself and I was happy to get into this positive psychology program and I felt like I was kind of relearning a lot of things and kind of trying to reprogram my own thinking to a more positive direction and I have noticed that it has helped me tremendously in my life but then also when I coach it seems to be helpful for the athletes and I it's a style of coaching that I wish I had more when I was competing and I did have it to some degree and I'm grateful for that and then I had some specific coaches and for example a choreographer Shailene Bourne who probably didn't think that oh she's like I'm gonna use positive psychology tools but she really was and is Ah, breath of fresh air as a choreographer and a coach. And when she comes to the space, she just brings this great, great 
appealing to a space and always tries to include the skater to the coaching or to the choreography process. And I think that's what we are now wanting to see more in figure skating coaching that we would involve the children or the athletes more in the process. And it wouldn't be so like top down process and not like a fear based (laughs) or punishment based system. Yeah, it it does seem like there's that idea that skaters need to be pushed somehow or that can't be trusted to have their own motivation enough or that, you know, somehow that success comes from being pushed to go beyond where you think you can go or something like that. And there's a fine line between challenging people in a good way and then pushing in a way that is negative or harmful. And it seems like, especially with children who maybe don't have as much their own sense of like what is bringing them to the ice or what their goals are, like finding the right balance of that must be challenging. Yeah, yeah, it can be. But I I don't think like if you have a positive approach to your coaching, it doesn't have to mean that uh, your coaching is not strict or challenging. You, You still obviously need to have like, strict boundaries and like a challenging program or you know depending on the skaters but it's just the overall like what is the overarching philosophy and what does the coach do for example when the skater fails in practice or in competition because it's easy to be positive when everything goes well but then it's hard when the skater has uh, a tough day and Maybe I can share an example that I have shared many times, but it really changed my life in a big way. I didn't realize it back then so much, but when I was uh, training with Shailene Bourne, who I just uh, mentioned in Canada, like many, many years ago, (laughs) I had a really bad day. We were practicing my um, short program and I tried two times to like begin the program, but the first jump, I just popped or I fell and then I I did the thing that no skater like a a skater shouldn't do so I stopped the program after my first bad um, jump and then I always went to Shailene who was on the like the side of the ring waiting and I was so prepared that she would start yelling at me or she would give me one of these looks like a disapproving look or or something and she she didn't do that. Like the first time I went to her and she just said, oh, do you want to try again? And then <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. And then I tried again and I, it was so bad. And then I went to her again, like this time for sure, she's going to be mad at me. But then again, she was like, as if nothing happened, she was like, oh, want to try one more time. <laughs> and then the third time I, I tried, I did like a clean program and it was just like a mind-blowing experience for me like how can a coach be so like calm she she didn't get involved in my emotional reaction or she didn't disapprove of me or she didn't give me any of this like sometimes the coach doesn't need, need to say anything they can just look at you in a certain way and you know that it like hurts so so when she didn't do any of that I was yeah something like clicked and then years after, I, I always remember this and I have thanked her oh, so many times and I always feel emotion when I even 
think about this and talk about this, but it was like a big aha for me, like, wow, you can be a skating coach and you can be so like, you can really rest in your self and you don't need to get triggered about the skater. And it was really a healing experience for me. Yeah. The idea that the skater's performance or how they're doing on a given day doesn't have to be something that the coach is taking personally, having their own narrative running in their head about it that's building onto the skater. It can just be what does the skater need right now? And yeah, emotional maturity from the coaches too, to be able to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I think the coaches need to do a lot of inner work as well because obviously they have been skaters I mean most of them they have been coached in a certain way so to kind of break those intergenerational patterns it needs a lot of inner work and and that's what I'm actually happy to see for example Finnish Skating Association I think they have included in their coaching program they have included much more like psychology and that kind of a thing yeah, that that's great. What kind of training that people should actually have going into coaching that it's maybe not enough to have just been a skater and to know how to do the technical elements, but all of those other pieces that are involved in being a coach. How are they prepared for that going into that as a career? Yeah, yeah. And I think skating just fits into this global transformation that we're going through anyway, that we are much more interested in the holistic approach and like like a sustainable approach and the same thing goes with skating like before we were just interested in the outer result but I think now more and more people are really also interested in the inner uh, inner success and inner well-being and if the outer success is achieved and the inner like the person is destroyed with the process I don't think it can be really at least I don't view that as success, really, <laughs> at least not in a holistic sense. There's been so much more conversation. I think it's very healthy about mental health, about making sure that skaters have access to that kind of support. Sometimes that's framed as you know sports psychology and getting that support in order to improve your skating performance and I'm curious sort of how you see mental health for skaters because you're thinking about the whole person versus sort of a more instrumental approach to it that's more focused on getting the results yeah well I have experience of those both when I was I think it was a about 15, 16, something like that, I started to work with a sports psychologist who had this more like sports performance-based approach. So we were just basically talking about what should I think before um, a jump or how can I rest enough or eat enough and how do I do relaxation exercises or like visualization or things like that. And yeah, it was useful to some extent. But then when I started to like when I went to the Olympics at 17 and kind of became a household name in Finland, then all that pressure, I was an anxious person already before, but that just like skyrocketed my anxiety and depression also in a way so then it wasn't so useful to just think 
in such mechanistic way. And then luckily, by the end of my career, I think I was over 20, I started to work with another psychologist who had a more, like she was more interested in how am I doing as a human being. I mean, she thought that the sports results would follow if I was doing well as a human being and as a person. And I I completely, you know, agree and, and am in favor of that kind of approach, although I don't say that those things can't also complement each other to some extent. If you see, you know, your mental health is yet another thing that you have to fix, you have to worry about, it can almost become another burden, another source of anxiety, along with everything else. I think as someone with anxiety, that very much would reflect some of the experiences that I've had. Yeah, I had like this, my first uh, sports psychologist did a personality test for me when I was 16, 17. And it revealed that it basically said that I would be a perfect top athlete otherwise, based on my like natural characteristics. Uh, But the problem was that I was too prone for anxiety to experience anxiety and depression. And it was so like anxiety inducing to hear that because then I didn't get any help with that. It was just more, more like this is a problem. You need to fix it. Try to watch more TV and get your mind off from skating. That was kind of the only advice, but it didn't really obviously deal with like the inner more deep issues like why do I have this obsession to be perfect what are the fears like why do I have this fear that I'm not I'm never good enough and those kind of things which I started to then deal with later and especially after my competitive career I have gone through a lot of therapy and and uh, really processed a lot of these things yeah You talked about the pressure that came with the Olympics and that having that public image um, to uphold and the pressure that comes with that. How do you think about sort of your public persona these days, you know, the way you portray yourself to the world and, you know, keeping that something that's healthy for you? Well, that's a good question. When I was younger, everything came so fast and so big and and people told me like, oh, just be yourself. And I mean, I try to be myself, but it's hard to be yourself when you really don't know yourself that deeply. Then you start living as like you take this Kira Corpi persona and try to like be that. And then you don't really know what's going inside. But then after my competitive career, maybe even a little bit before that, but at least afterwards, then I just had to I had no other choice than to work on my traumas and things and then I think it became natural to talk differently to representatives of media and open my heart in a different way and talk about things because I was going more deep within myself and obviously that's the work that continues my whole life (laughs) Uh, like I'm always exploring new things and sometimes there are like scary things about myself that I find out and try to resist but then they come out and I think now I see that I'm hopefully a more wholesome example maybe to the younger generation of skaters like how you can be 
vulnerable and sometimes really angry or sad or whatever and it's totally okay like you don't always need to have the ice princess <laughs> smile and like demeanor is that advice that you would want to give to someone who's you know younger coming into that kind of attention in skating i was thinking as you mentioned the 15 year old yana yerkinen who is coming into that space now and so many other young people getting that attention what would you want to tell them about how to handle that i don't know i think everybody does their best and i had the pleasure to interview Janna Jurkinen before the competition and it it was so sweet it was kind of like i i was obviously interviewing her but at the same time i almost felt like i was interviewing the 15 year old me and it was really 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 sweet and obviously you're a little bit shy and reserved at that age and you don't need to know yourself <laughs> so fully at that age maybe the message that I would like to give is that and I think I even told her that I and everybody we're so proud of you no matter how the competition goes even if you fall all your jumps or whatever people are still rooting for you and we're so proud of you so so I think that kind of a message is important from coaches and other people and why not from the media sometimes too that and I think that has actually changed that even the media is now more focused and like can celebrate like different kind of journeys and not just you know the gold medals yeah, I've noticed to the degree that I do that as a journalist, that I'm more interested in understanding what people's journeys and their own goals are and their processes. I think there's more of that that's common within people who are interested in skating as skating. And then when you get into the kind of journalism that's more for the people who only pay attention to skating during the Olympics, this came up. Um, there was a lot of discussion about the pressure that was being put on some of the young American champions between Isabeau and Ilya that they're already being held up as the ones who are going to win medals in the next Olympics and that kind of pressure that's already being put on them at that age. But I see that much more from media that maybe doesn't know how to talk about skating, except in terms of whether they'll win medals. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. What would you like to see change in the sport in terms of body image and the obsession with thinness that there is in skating? Oh, wow. That's a big question. Hmm. Well, I think that will come also naturally when the skaters and the coaches and the officials and the judges educate themselves and do their own inner work and maybe they prioritize their own well-being in a different way and then they start to see the skaters well-being maybe more important than the athletic achievement so I think through that like more holistic approach in general it will kind of change naturally that that we appreciate different kind of bodies and everybody has their own like optimal weight and it might look different for for each skaters so I'm really uh, hoping for that but it needs a lot of waking up and and talk and discussions and I don't know because even the judges well I think everybody who's been in, who have grown up in skating they haven't done so much of their own inner work and and haven't really questioned a lot of the things that we take for granted in skating 
it can come still naturally for them to just uh, assume that there is this certain type of optimal type of skater. Like a good example would be, I was watching a kid's competition with a judge once, uh, like an internationally acclaimed judge, <laughs> like an ISU judge. So I thought it was really, I don't want to like use the word disturbing, but it was actually kind of disturbing to hear how this judge was commentating even the children. Like the comments weren't about the skating. I mean, some of them were about skating, but the first comments when the skater arrived to the ice, were always about the looks. Like, oh, this skater, oh, she has a little bit like two short legs or whatever, or this skater doesn't look like a skater, although she is quite talented. Like, and I was just listening skater after skater, like, is this real? And then on top of that, <laughs> this judge told me that you were really lucky, Kira, because you had your beautiful looks and and the judges and people like were talking about that and and you were like really lucky that it kind of lifted you up and i was like wow but it's probably true and it's so disturbing that if only you fit into this like fixed idea of what a perfect skater looks like then you can be immediately more acceptable by the <laughs> judges and yeah, I know with the coaches and with the skaters, it has been maybe the first thing you see other skaters, you just see like, oh, she has lost weight or gained weight and she must be in a good shape or she must like, and how do we even know? Like so many skaters are struggling with eating disorders that look like seemingly look great. And it's just, I think we really need to be aware and educate ourselves and then hopefully it will change. Yeah, I'm I'm really struck with your example and in some other things that I've heard just how much the looks come before the actual skating and not even just so much in the sense of like oh it's an aesthetic sport and so there's that element to it but there's just this idea of a skater looks like this, whether the skater is actually capable of doing the element or not, there's the idea that a skater who would be able to do the element would look like this. And so you're already judging them negatively before they've even started. I've come across this, I've been talking to a lot of pair skaters and pair coaches. And I think a lot of people, even very well-intentioned people will say things like, this skater has the right body for pairs. You can already tell that kid should be a pair boy, that that girl should be doing pairs because she's so tiny. And that's like determinism of being judged for your body, not for what your body can do. Yeah, it's so true. But luckily, I think now some of the athletes who are now on on top of their game, they are already talking about these issues. And every time a skater opens up about their eating disorder problem or body image problem, I think it helps others too, because you see that everybody, basically everybody struggles with those things. And and like you said, it can be really, I mean, I'm sure I do, we all do it. It's like sometimes really well-intentioned and we don't even think about that when we say like, oh, this yeah. person would be perfect for pair skating or something. It just comes up like it's just so ingrained in us that there is this certain type. I interviewed Amber Glenn earlier this year and she was telling me that some of the most harmful comments are the things that people think as compliments. That can just be so damaging. It's not people being critical. It's that 
she immediately, if someone says, oh, you look great, that you look so strong, or you must have lost weight, that it's like immediately that makes her think, oh, well, what were you thinking of me before? Did you not think I looked yes. good? Like, you know, so yes. it starts, the positive comments can start the negative spiral. And that it's something that's made me reflect on not just, you know, that you don't want to say anything negative about someone's body, but just to really think before you're even saying anything at all that's like that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I also have these comments, like at some point, a journalist said that, like, when I had lost weight a lot during one season, and then this journalist said, like, oh, wow, Kira, now you're like, you're starting to look like an athlete, or you really look like an athlete. And then I was like, okay, wow. So I need to be like this to be like accepted or appreciated. But, but then I think we can somehow combat all of this by teaching the skaters at a very young age to have a strong sense of self and this feeling of self agency and that they would know their you know boundaries and what is okay and what's not and that kind of education I never received so I hope the kids today and I know that at least in Finland they are much more aware like they if a coach starts screaming and throwing things they they already know like okay this is not supposed to happen and that's a positive (laughs) positive change definitely One thing that I thought was really interesting in your book, which I loved and read in one sitting on the plane and the way to a competition, really thought it was great. But one thing that really struck me was how you discussed funding and something that I'm interested in, I think we don't tend to talk about that much, but how much money it takes to have a competitive skating career, but then with pretty much all of the different forms of support that you could get, have some risk of putting skaters in a power imbalance, either to their federation or their sponsors or even their family, or in some cases, it's a relationship to the state in a way that can cause all kinds of problems. And so as I try to think what makes skating accessible, how do you create these structures that allow skaters to succeed. It's something that I've been wrestling with in my head. Any of those forms of funding could be fine for a skater, but I think they also could come with some risks of not putting the athlete's needs first. And so that's the giant question, but I'm curious, based on your own experience, what you've seen from others, how you see this question of funding and improving that. Yeah, wow. That's a a huge question. And Oh, yeah, skating is really expensive, especially in the US. I mean, it's considered expensive in Finland too, but in the US, it's still in another level, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, the state part is difficult because at least in Finland, they only give the money also based on your athletic performance. And if you're, for example, injured, you're right away, like you, you don't receive the funding. So that might encourage athletes to compete even with injuries and yeah sponsors I think I was quite lucky in my career that well first that I had (laughs) I had good sponsors and then that they even when I was injured they didn't completely abandon me (laughs) right away and I could have a say of what I want to do or what I don't want to do obviously back then I wasn't so 
sophisticated in my self-awareness. I probably didn't have so many ideas as I would have now, like what I would want to do. But yeah, I don't I, I don't think I have like really bad experiences from those, but I can see how that would be a challenge. And that's why I think the the athlete's voice needs to be put into the center. Like not only this athlete-centered coaching needs to be more um, like widely used but maybe also what comes to this funding and and sponsoring athletes I think those relationships needs to be need to be also as athlete centered as possible but I'm not really sure how to exactly build a structure like that it's very complicated. This has a lot of different dimensions yeah. to it. One of the first people that I had on the podcast was May Bernice Mete, and I had a really interesting conversation with her about how she's been able to get some sponsors, get some funding, even while injured, because of the following that she's been able to get through social media. And now she wants to help other athletes to learn how to do that because it takes work and can be hard, but it has at least that you can control for yourself. That's something that is very athlete directed and was really encouraged by that conversation and by how she was thinking about yes. helping athletes find ways yeah. to to tell their story, to involve people in in the ups and the downs of their journey. And I think that could be really promising. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also in Finland, I have seen a change. Like I competed before social media was like a big thing. I mean, it was relatively big, but not nothing compared to what it is now. And yeah, the, even some of the Finnish athletes that I'm now thinking about, the track and field athletes and some other athletes, they have been able to build this brand for themselves and and get sponsors from much more like creative sources or creative ways. Like like my Bernice Meite, she's just incredible what she can do. Like she's a producer and uh, an actress and a, a writer, like everything in one package. It's, um, it's really great to see how the younger athletes who are competing now, they're really using social media as a tool for themselves. And hopefully... What my hope is that many of them, like that they would be their own managers. Yeah. And that I keep thinking about your point about just that self-confidence and self-knowledge that that also would position you well to be able to figure out what story do you want to tell? What are the things about yourself that you can sell to a sponsor without losing your own internal sense of what's important? Yeah. And like the injury stories can be really worth gold medals because it proves how persistent you are and how hard you can still work. One of the other things that really struck me reading your book was the balance that you were able to find between being appropriately critical of experiences that you had had and telling the truth about what had been hard and things that were difficult in relationships with coaches or family, but also showing a lot of love and appreciation for those people. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about what your process was like of writing a memoir and, you know, figuring out how you wanted to tell your story. And especially with people who are, I assume, are still a part of your life and that would read the book and you would have to think about, you know, how to, um, how to talk about those relationships. Oh yeah, that was, that was definitely the hardest part about the memoir, like how to tell my story 
honestly, because I mean, in that way, it can be really impactful in a deep, deep way. And then at the same time, not to harm those people that are dear to me, but maybe have done some things that are not always <laughs> perfect. So I don't know if I nailed it perfectly, but I was just determined that I would like if I'm going to write a book, I'm and I had a person writing for me and with me, this uh, sports journalist. So with, with him, we were working on these things. And I decided that if I'm going to do this book, I'm just going to try to be as, as open as possible. And I took the risk that then some people don't like what I, I'm going to say. And it definitely happened <laughs> that some people even close to me weren't really happy initially but I have to say, and I'm really grateful that all those people or um, instances have kind of grew to maybe appreciate the book or or have, you know, processed <laughs> things and, and that we're in good terms and we've been able to build even deeper and healthier relationships. Um, yeah, but it was definitely scary. I want to close by asking if there's anything that we haven't touched on that you would want to communicate this big question. We asked you a lot of big questions, but a really big question on the podcast is how to make gating uh, more accessible and more inclusive and healthier. Are there other aspects of that that you would want to communicate? Maybe just that this is such a cliche, but skating really is for everybody and I am a firm believer that every single skater or just a skating person, it doesn't need to be a skater, they have their own valuable role and like their own success route or success journey that is uh, equally important. And I, as a coach, have tremendously enjoyed working with skaters with all ages and different skill levels and I, for me, it's no different if I cheer for like a Walls 3 <laughs> turn or a quad jump or whatever. It's the same same thing at the end. And I really hope that, and I believe that our sport is making more, more space for everyone. And I hope that I can also grow grow as a person and as a skating person and find new ways how to help my community and yeah make the sport better for all that's great thank you so much Kara this has been really fun thank you thank you so much for doing this I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kara Corpy you can look at the show notes for links to a transcript and many of the things that we discussed you can follow Kira on Instagram at Kira underscore Corpy and Twitter at Kira Corpy underscore FI. You can reach me with comments or suggestions for topics and people I should talk to by email at fsfuturepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at futurefspodcast. Remember to subscribe to the Future of Figure Skating on whatever platform you use, leave a review and share it with your friends.